Today I'm going to be speaking a sermon entitled, The Perils That Perish. All right, we're going to be talking about three perils, temptations that, that we all face. Jesus faced them, and we're going to find that out. Okay, when the devil tempted him, Eve, Adam and Eve faced these perils, these temptations. And you and I faced them as well. First John chapter 2, verses 17, 18, excuse me, 15, 16, and 17. Do you have them? It says there, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, okay, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from where? The world. The world and his desires, what do they do? But the man who does the will of God lives forever. That's the key to my sermon. Father, I pray we have forever eyes. And learn, Lord God, that pleasures are fleeting and fleeing and passing away. That we would put all our marbles, all our heart to the things that endure, that last forever. I ask it in your name, Jesus. And everybody together said, Greet one another one more time in the love of the Lord prior to your being seated. Good to have everybody out. Sunday morning, we just got back from. Woodland, we did the play Shotgun 2, very powerful. A number of people got saved. The week before they did it in Sacramento, and that's a church that we've been able to uh, plant there with Eddie and uh, Sister Thalia. Uh, Eddie was there yesterday too in Woodland, and uh, uh, you know they had great results. I think they had 400 names of people that got saved in Sacramento, and I would say they had at least 300 names that they got yesterday at, uh, in Woodland. And it was very, very effective. And as I was driving around there, I said, my God, look at this place. I don't know if any of you have been in Wooden lately, but man, it looks like East L.A. I mean, them guys are walking around like if, you know, you know. Uh, I think, you know, uh, uh, inner city people know how to walk. Because they get a lot of practice. They ain't got no cars. You know what I mean? Uh, so so we, we know how to walk. <laughs> and you've seen those guys walking all up and down them streets, uh, practicing. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, very, very needful area. They, as a matter of fact, they didn't want us to do the drama there because the problems have been so, so uh, prevalent. They're so terrible. There's been a lot of shootings and stabbings, and some guy just got his, his, his uh, uh, neck was slashed. Wow, you know. A number of things that they were saying that has been happening there, but uh, it was God's timing for us to go in. The police were almost going to cancel the event uh, on Wednesday, I believe it was, Wednesday or Tuesday, they were saying, no, you can't have it. But they were there, and, 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 and I don't know if my son shared with you, but they were very, very uh, uh, taken with the play. They loved it. I mean, I was, everybody kept saying to me when we were watching the play, because I like to see it, I'm a fan, uh, and uh, they were saying, look at the police, look at the police. They were laughing and, and you know, uh, carrying on, and they, they were really with the drama. And uh, I don't know if they got saved, hallelujah, uh, but I know the seed was planted but there was one police officer that goes to, and he's a high-ranking officer that goes to one of our churches. We have three churches in Sacramento, and he was there. And he was able to talk to them and, and uh, sort of like, you know, ease them up a little bit. Hey, you know, uh, cops need Jesus too. And so he was able to talk with them, and he goes to our church in Sacramento. So good things are happening. Now they're off to Manila. They're off to the, the, the Philippines. and uh, Amen. And I believe we only have like about four or five members, cast, real genuine bona fide cast members that are going. And the cast is about 30. So we're going to get about 25 other people. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to practice on the plane. Uh, 
If I would have been able to leave, I can't leave because we have a wedding coming up. Hallelujah. Uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, and so uh, uh, other than that, I could have probably been shotgun. I would have shaved and I would have done, I would have done the part shotgun. Uh, uh, me and Playboy would have been brothers. Praise God. Uh, aye, aye, aye. Praise God. But pray that God would use the team there and give them tra traveling mercy as well. But I will be going, uh, 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 and I will not be here next Sunday. I'm going to be going there for Monday. They're have celebrating seven-year anniversary banquet there in Victoria, Manila, the Philippines. Amen. So uh, I'll be able to have the opportunity to speak there and uh, just to go see the people that we haven't seen in a while. I've mentioned it before. Some of the people in the Philippines, Manila, know this church better than some of you. They know, they know very people's names, and they know everything's going on, and, you know, now email, wow. Uh, and they know some of you by name, and, uh, you know, they say, how's so-and-so, and some of, they've never met some of you, but they know about you, hallelujah. Now, that's family. Okay, are you ready for First John? So far here in our studies on First John, okay, we've been able to see the difference between being in relationship with God versus being in what? Fellowship. There's a difference. Stephen and I are related, but sometimes we're not in fellowship. And that's the way it is with Christianity. You can be saved, born again. God's your father, but you're not in fellowship and in union as you need to be with God your father. So there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Then the last study that we had, we found out that there's a third category, and that was maturity or perfection. Perfection. Now, when we talk about perfection, it doesn't mean you're perfect. See, I am perfectly six feet tall, and I will not get six one. I, my body has already been perfected, well, this way. Don't go there, girlfriend, hallelujah, in the other place. You know what I mean? Now, that, that, that needs a little bit of working. Now, I tell people I have a nice, well-rounded figure, hallelujah. But it depends on what part of the anatomy you're talking about or looking at. Uh, <coughs> uh, but uh, I'm already perfect as far as, you know, 21. They say once you're 21, 22, 25 for sure, you stop growing. Okay, so that's what it's talking about in, in your spiritual life, your, your, your Christianity, your biblical. Well, not biblically you can grow, but spiritually you're already there. You already should be mature. That was the third category that we studied last time. Then here in verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, John deals with three great perils that'll, that can blemish and bar your fellowship your maturity, your perfection, and even your relationship with God. Three perils. That's why I've given it the title. Perils that what? Perish. And we need to understand that. One of my wife's favorite verses is, and it came to pass. That's one of her favorite And it came to pass. You read that in the Old Testament. And it came to pass that so and so and so and so this happened. And it came to pass that this, but what she's really talking about is when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a tribulation, Remember that verse? It came to pass. I didn't think I was going to make it, but it came to pass. Thank God, I'm still standing. That's why sometimes you, you hang around me long enough, you'll hear me, you know, they say, how are you doing? I'm still breathing. I'm still breathing. As a Christian, hallelujah, I'm still here. And it came to pass, praise God. So we're going to be dealing with, with three great perils. And, and the writer of John makes them, and he gives them in three different categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. As a matter of fact, we've mentioned Adam and Eve went through these temptations in the Garden of Eden. 
Christ himself. Uh, now, Adam and Eve didn't come out victoriously. They succumbed to these temptations. All right? And some of us can succumb as well. But Jesus dealt with these temptations. Remember when the devil took him up to be tempted? He dealt with the three, these three uh, perils or temptations found in 1 John chapter 2. But he came out victoriously. When Jesus was tempted to turn the stones into bread, that, he dealt with the lust of the flesh. Okay? Turn these stones into bread. Then when Jesus was tempted by Satan, you know, with, with all the kingdoms of the world. There's the word world again. Jesus dealt with the lust of the eyes. He had overcome the temptation of the lust of the eyes. When the enemy tempted Jesus then to jump from the pinnacle of the temple, this had to do with the pride of life. In that Satan wanted Jesus to show off, to become a spectacle. That's the pride of life. Look what I did. I jumped and the angels caught me. So Jesus dealt with these, these things here. And the word world is mentioned 23 times in the book of 1 John. Matter of fact, in these verses here, it says the world, the world, the world. Okay, he's talking about the world. But again, the key thing to remember in this study, in this message, in this sermon here this morning, is that these three big, large perils will perish. They're gonna, and they came to pass. They're going to go away. That's the reason for the title. Perils that perish. Now, these are perils that the enemy uses to try and get us to succumb, to fall, all right? To falter in a Christian relationship and fellowship with God. I said the word world is mentioned 23 times in the book of 1 John. So what does John mean by the word world? Okay? He is surely not speaking about humanity, so to speak. Because the greatest verse recorded in the entire Bible is for God so loved. So he's not talking about, you know, humanity. Because God loves humanity. God loves it. He's talking not so necessarily about a sphere, but about an atmosphere. That's what he's talking about. The world. It's an atmosphere that the enemy tries to, you know, where, where he tries to control us. All right. Look at John chapter 15. Written by the same man. John chapter 15. Verses 18 and 19. But we're going to come back to 1 John chapter 2. John chapter 15. Verses 18 and 19. Give us some instruction and also into the mind of John. St. John says in chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. Do you have it? If the world hates you, there's the word world. They're talking about people. It's, it's, it's a system. Okay? A controlling system run by Satan. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the it would love you as its own. As it is, you do, not be, you do not belong to the, but I have chosen you out of the, that is why the world, hallelujah, hates you. Okay, now, again, it's not a sphere, it's a what? Atmosphere. It is mankind, this is what the world is. It's mankind, both alien, okay, and hostile to God. It is a godless system. Okay, controlled by the enemy. It's anything that is foreign, and alien, and the enemy of God. That's what the world is. The bottom line is, the world is anything that contradicts God. Are you with me? That's what the world is. The world is anything that destroys fellowship with God. It is anything that takes away our appetite 
for the work and the word of God. Are you with me? That's the world. Anything that takes away from our appetite, our yearn, our desire, our hunger for the word and the work of God. Anything that gets in the way, that's the world. And how many know that there's a lot of stuff like that? I don't think I should come to church today. That's the world. I wonder if I should pray. That's the world. I don't know about this tithing thing. That's the world. Uh, that's for sure the world. That's the giant. That's Goliath of the world. Uh, because if he can stop the work of God, wow. Now in 1 John 2.15, John instructs us, love not the world. Okay? And by and large, that world system, stay with me now here, that world system is a philosophy. That's what it is. It's an atmosphere and it's a philosophy. It is a philosophy that never looks beyond the grave. It's important what I'm saying right here. It's a philosophy that doesn't want you to look to heaven. It doesn't want you to, to look beyond the grave. It, it wants you to zero in on the here and now, not the hereafter. Are you with me? It is a philosophy that puts all of its stock on the things from the grave this way, not that way. That's what the world is. That makes you put all of your marbles, all of your mentality, all of your stock on the things from here to here, from the grave here. It is a philosophy whose life or its centrifugal force is governed by the yearns and the appetites that are satisfied solely by what one can, can get in the here and now, period. Okay, did you hear what I said? It's a centrifugal force governed by the yearns and the desires of the, of the here and now. Okay? There is very little or no thought of the hereafter. Remember that scripture that I've preached on before about Demas has what? Having loved this present world. The word love there, and we've studied it before in the Greek, means centrifugal force. You know, and like a top. You know, a top... The reason it can stay up, up is because it has a centrifugal force. It's spinning real fast. It's the heart of the top. It's got a strong heart. Well, the heart of Demas, his centrifugal force was the world. That can happen to a lot of us. Demas has forsaken Paul. He left the things of God because his centrifugal force really was not from the grave that way. It was from the grave this way. That's why you got to be very careful. If your centrifugal forces and your heart is... Geared and, 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 and towards the, the world, you're in trouble. You won't be here too long. You'll last a while, but after that, uh, that's why men leave the home, women leave the home, people leave the church. You know, well, I, you know, gotta be very careful. Like that song, we don't sing it no more, but when I was a little kid, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above looking down with tender love. So be careful, little eyes, reckless eyeballing. What you see, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Uh, there's a father up above. Uh, see, it is a, a philosophy that only highlights and wants us focused on this life. That's what the world is. It wants us focused just on this life here and now. It focuses on money, on power, on pleasure, and in fame. And of these... There is nothing more nobler and more worthier. That's what the world says. Money, power, fame. Uh, there's nothing better than that. Go for it. It is the idea. That's what the world is. The idea or the philosophy that John says we are not to love. 
Don't love it. Don't yearn for that. Don't go after that. Don't focus on that. Uh, we are not to make those things important in our lives. We're not to value them as a one priority. That's what he says when he says, love not the world in 1 John 2.15. John is saying, don't have the here and now attitude. Don't have the here and now mentality. Think of the hereafter. Man, if the devil can get you to not to think about later on or, the, you know, what's going about heaven and the hereafter, he can pretty much get you. He'll creep in. He's a creepy crawler. And he's been crawling a long time. Uh, don't have the attitude like demons did. Then John goes on to list, okay, and to describe the things of the world in three categories. Number one, we're going to study them very quickly here today, is the lust of the flesh. He divides them up into three categories. Number one, the lust of the flesh. This is talking about man's inner fallen sinful nature. That's what the lust of the flesh is. Man's fallen sinful inner nature, which is present in every body. I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying every body. Okay? In sin was I created, Jeremiah says. Everybody. Whether that body belongs to Marilyn Manson or Pope Paul. It's present in everybody. From Marilyn Manson to the Pope. Okay? Remember we've studied in, in, in Romans. Sin abideth where? What does Romans say? In me. It lives inside of here. I don't care. I, can't, I mean, Marilyn Manson, that's obvious. He, he a sinner. Uh, but sin abides even in the Pope. Even in Pastor Steve. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, I mentioned that last week. I mean, you know, if you don't understand that, you're going to get beat up. Uh, man, you got to understand that's what the Word of God says. It abides in everybody. And that was the Apostle Paul talking to Romans. So it abided even in him. Now, God has given all of us some good and pleasurable physical desires. Yes, he has. And that's what the lust of flesh is talking about. But the lust of the flesh involves taking those God-given desires to the extreme. Listen to what I, I just said right now. You can't miss this. God has given us some great desires. How many love to eat? La Pineda. Haven't they been giving some good food there? I mean, everybody's like, you know, looking at your watches now, you know. And today, Pasquale be getting down. Uh, he's a head usher. I didn't see him in a tie. He's all ready to cook right now. He's like, oh, he came early to get ready. But he's, oh, he's, the guy can cook. Uh, and we've been having some good stuff over there. Uh, you know why they had nachos? We have to have nachos. Those are good nachos. Those are all the time nachos, huh? Um, so God has given us some good God-given desires. Uh, but, stay with me now. The lust of the flesh involves taking those God-given desires to the extreme. Beyond their rightful design. If you're taking notes, write that down. The lust of the flesh involves taking those good desires beyond to the extreme. Beyond their rightful design by God. Again, take for instance food. It's a great God-given blessing. But yet we can take this desire to the extreme, beyond, to the point of sin. It's called gluttony. So it is. It's a sin. I mean, it's great when you, you know, when you eat to live, but when you live to eat, ah, what's for dinner? I mean, I grew up in a family of, of eight, and to the plate, we were not late. 
We did not need a date. We were there. Uh, and you, my wife is, knows my family. And I used to tell my brother, Bingy, Tony. Uh, I said, man, you, when you grow up, I don't know how you're going to feed your family. Last. You know, he's changing. He's changing. But man, back then he was like, you know, and he was a tough guy. He was all right there, you know. Uh, and man, it was like, on your mic, it said, go. And then they'd be fighting for the next plate, you know. Man, gluttony. See, God has given food for it to be a blessing for our health, for our life, for our enjoyment. Yet the human animal can become just that, an animal. Ah, just an animal on how he eats. Ah, that, 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 that's bad. We're taking it to the extreme. We're going beyond in excess regarding food. Then how about the need for shelter? Uh, all of us need shelter. We all, all need that. But yet again, we can go beyond to the extreme in regards to shelter. In other words, we get into luxury versus, you know, God's into prosperity. God will prosper you. But not luxury, to the extreme. That's luxury. Uh, I mean, when you go to some place, it just, uh, there's a program on TV that, uh, I think they call it the crib or something. You know, all these big people that have all these houses. And, you know, I, I was just going through the channels one time. That's how I discovered it. And I seen some guy taking him through everything. And he's like, Wow. I didn't know he was, it was about a house. I thought he was talking about, you know, some palace or something. Some, no. Uh, and, the, and the guy's name is Penny Hardaway. He ain't no Penny. He ain't no Penny. Penny got it going on. Uh, and not the Hardaway either. That's a pretty easy way. They should call him Dollar Easy Way, you know. Man, Silver Dollar Easy Way. Uh, my gosh. You mean he has so many shoes? Wow, he should put them in the Belik Bayan box. Uh, I'll give a plug right now too, please. Okay, so the team is leaving, so afterwards we have two that are pretty full. We got two more that we got to fill up, okay? T-shirts or whatever. Uh, I think they need shampoo and different stuff over there at the, at the, in Manila. Anyway, let's go on. Oh, okay, so luxury is the lust of the flesh. How about sex? You talking to me, Pastor? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, how about sex regarding the lust of the flesh? Now, sex is also designed by God to be a blessing. But again, man has a sneaky way of getting his sticky fingers in sex and making a mess of it. Uh, the lust of the flesh urges us all to go for it. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. In excess. That's what the lust is. That's why it says lust, the word. Okay? Where you go, I mean, sex in and of itself is beautiful. Uh, it's God designed it like that, just in case you didn't know it. Uh, singles. I uh, thank God I'm not going to be a grandfather for many, 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 many years. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, solo Cristo satisface. Hallelujah. Figure that one out. You guys are, you guys are getting Spanish. Ah. Uh, Praise the Lord. But when you go in excess, when you know, hey, baby, I think I love you, one of them shots, that's lust. Uh, anywhere, anytime with anybody. Uh, my God, uh, you become a rabbit. Hijo. That's not humanity. That's an excess. Playboy, stay away from my crib. Hallelujah. Uh, that's an old song, but let's go on. Sex in excess. The next thing that John mentions is the lust of the eyes. Okay, mentions that there in verse 
15. The lust of the eyes. The eyes are the symbol of the inner life. It has to do with the mind. That's what he's talking about. The lust of the eyes. It's your mind. Uh, how many know that the mind can play big tricks on you? Now, both the mind and the flesh are God-given. Okay? They're God-given. But when John puts the word lust in front of the word eyes and the, in front of the word flesh, he is referring to taking these things beyond. Beyond the God-ordained natural design. When you go beyond your natural desires regarding the flesh and also the mind. Thus, my friend, the lust of the eyes or the lust of the mind is using your mind in a very vulgar, ungodly manner. Uh, now, I'm not, you know, a scientist on this, but I've heard somebody say this before who studies a lot about this stuff. My wife. That, you know, I think women think about sex, I think, once every 20 minutes. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a little wrong. She'll, she'll preach one of these days, okay? Man! Gentlemen of the jury. I think it's like, I don't even want to say. I think once every 20 seconds. Already, gentlemen. I have been preaching for quite a while. You have already been someplace other than the house of God. Or else you're very godly right now. But the minute you leave out of here, you know, you're like, you know, you're, you're mounting up points. I got to catch up, man. I was in Holy Land, you know. Ay, ay, ay. But I, I've been told that, you know. Ay, ay, ay. But that's the lust of the eyes, the mind. When you use it in a vulgar, ungodly manner. See, God has given us our mind to utilize it, to, to explore, to invent, to invest, to be inquisitive. Listen to what I just said. I don't want to lose you. He's given you a mind so you can be inquisitive, so you can think, so you can invent things. Okay, so you can explore, so you can search, so you can inquire, but within limits. Remember, that's what lust is, going beyond the boundaries, going beyond the limits. Uh, where you're like, what have I said before? You're, we're supposed to rehearse what we're going to do when, when, when the enemy comes in at 12 o'clock high with a high miniskirt on, guys. But we rehearse the reverse. We think about what we're going to do when we leave the home. Ho, ho, ho. In here I can't, but out there, united we can. I need a pin. Uh, fly united. Ay, ay, ay. The United States of America. Uh, that's going beyond. That's the lust of the ice. It takes the mind beyond where it should stay. Uh, within its limits. The lust of the eyes takes the mind beyond all stop signs. It can't read. Uh, the mind can't. It can't read. It can't heed. It can only want to meet its need. And I'm rapping now. Hallelujah. The Bible calls this vain imaginations. Vanity. Vanity. Vain imaginations. Or stinking thinking. Uh, creepy crawlers. Where and when the mind demands... To go and to know. That's what the lust of the eyes is. When the mind demands to know and to go. Remember Adam and Eve? What, what they wanted to know. It has to do with the mind. You shall be as God. Ooh, I want to know what it's like to be God. See, Eve got out of her boundaries, out of her limit. She wanted to be as God. God is omniscient, all-knowing. I will be like him. I'll know everything. 
I got a taste of the fruit. I got to know what it tastes like. The knowledge of the tree of the good and evil. I got to know that knowledge. The lust of the eyes. Eve saw the fruit. She wanted to taste and see. Ooh, I've been a Christian all my life. I wonder what it's like to. I want to know. I need to delve. Uh, that's, that's what the lust of the mind is. Like even dealing with the occult. Because you want to know. Uh, I've dealt with people in, that get involved in the occult. They want to know what it's like. They want to know what it's like. They want to have power. Let's kill a cat. We have some power. Get life out of it. They start delving because they want to know. Inquisitive. A lot of them people get involved in the occult because they're inquisitive. They want, to, they want some power. They want some fame. Oh, man. When they're dabbling in the occult, uh, dealing with the mind, when man wants to probe into the, the dark inner world of the occult, and even pornography, pornography, the mind. Ooh. Uh, Jimmy Swagger was into that. Ooh, ooh, wow. Ooh, check this out. Mmm. That don't look like my wife. Man, maybe I should cut my girlfriend loose and get me something like that. Whoo! Ah, be careful, little mind, what you think. That's what I'm saying. I mean, everybody go, get, nip the thing at the bud. Get rid of it. Whatever things are lovely, the Bible says, whatever things are pure, honest, of good report, think on these. Please. Hallelujah. Ah, that's the lust of the eyes. Then thirdly is the pride of life. We're moving fast here. The pride of life. This pride of life, it also has to do with going beyond certain God-ordained limits. But the pride of life doesn't want to just keep up with the Joneses. It wants to be the Joneses. Did you hear what I said? The pride of life doesn't want to just keep up with the Joneses. It wants to be the Joneses. It wants to set the standard. Ugh. The pride of life wants very much to create envy and jealousy and, and rivalry, rivalry with other people. I'm better than you. Uh, wow. It can happen even in Christianity. Well, I go to Victory Outreach. So? Uh, Victory Outreach ain't nothing. It's Jesus. Uh, don't ever do that. Don't ever get involved in this kind of madness. Um, God knows what he's doing. And to God be the glory. Uh, but even pride of life can creep into churches. You know, you know, my pastor's tougher than your pastor. Well, my pastor's tougher than your pastor. <laughs> So he can beat me up. I'm just kidding. Let's go on. Uh, the pride of life, listen to this, wants to outshine and outrank everybody. That's what it wants. It wants to outshine everybody. It wants to stand beyond. Uh, it's God-ordained limits. If God made you a, a one-talent person, don't try and be a two-talent. If he made you a two-talent, don't try and be a five-talent. Just be satisfied with what God's made you. Uh, God loves you just as much as he loves everybody else. But the pride of life wants to outrank and outshine. When it comes to transportation, the pride of life says, don't just get there, get there in style. Uh, don't, just, don't, just, don't just get there. You want to ride in pride. Beep, beep. Look at my car, eh? Rims, paint job, the works. Cadillac back jack, they call me. Uh, how about when it comes to girlfriends? You don't want just any girlfriend. You want La Championa. 
You want, you want. Baby, could you dye your hair, honey? Uh, wow. Look, right now, those are my, all my friends. Can you get closer to me right now? Sit over here and just like wave with your little pinky. Uh, you want, I mean, that's, that's the pride of life. Um, when I was growing up and I was putting the sermon together, I was thinking about a song that in my generation, the Who had a song called My Generation. Uh, and I think in that song they said, you talk about your woman. Anybody remember it? Thank God you don't. Uh, but that's what I said. That's pride. The Who, full of pride. You talk about your woman. I wish you could see mine. Dun, 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 You talk about your woman. I wish you could see mine, because she's fine as wine in the summertime. No, I just added those words. Uh, uh, but you, you know, you're over here. That's the pride of life. You want, you want to be the best. Uh, the pride of life says, the pride of life, look at my wife. Ooh, she got it going on. Uh, see, John is warning us not to love these things in verse 15. Don't love those things. Don't put your marbles on those things. Stay away from that attitude. Jesus himself warned us in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve two masters. You will either hate the one or love the other. See, it's impossible. That's what Jesus is saying. It's impossible to love, to be in both camps, to love either one, uh, to love both at the same time. You can't. And if you did, that's compromise. And what's that illustration that I've used before about compromising? Uh, wanting to serve two masters. You can't. But the guy that, during the, the Civil War, remember that? He wore the, he wore the Yankee top. And the Confederate bottom, because he wanted to be in the middle. So when he came out, what happened? He got shot by both sides. <laughs> That's what'll happen to compromising Christians. Well, I'm a Christian, sorta. Pow, pow, pow. Ah, you'll get it by the devil out there. When you come to church, you get it right here. Pow, pow, pow. Get right or get left. Ay, ay, ay. Ah, what have I said before? Yes, the world will offer you a good time. But God will offer you the best time. You got to think. You can't serve two masters. What do you want? Yes, the enemy, the, the world will offer you a good time. It will. Let the good times roll. But Jesus offers you the best time. The choice is yours. Listen to me. And I, I always need, like to say this because I remember when I was a teenager. I want to talk to some of you younger people. I mean, wait. Marry the best. Not, not the good. The best. Uh, because I, I used to think, I was going to church, in the Methodist church when I was a kid. And I used to think, man, you know what, I, I don't want to be out there with my friends. I got to stay here because I don't want to be divorced. I, don't wanna, I, I want to I, I live a good life. And you can in Christianity. It's not going to be easy, but you can. You can marry the right person. You can live a good life the rest of your life, young people, if you make the right decisions. Okay? Now, look at verse 18 of 1 John chapter 2. And with this, I'm going to close. This is the key. Verse 18. 1 John 2, verse 18. Verse 17, excuse me, verse 17. The world, and we already found out what it is, and his desires, what do they do? But the man who does the will of God lives forever. That's the key to this sermon. John gives heavy insight on how to overcome the world. He says, have eyes of eternity. Not the lust of the eyes, but forever eyes. That's what he's saying. Have forever eyes. Think about the hereafter. Think about the grave and beyond. He says, because everything else will pass away. The things of the world are temporal, temporary. But
Christianity and the things of God are eternal. Uh, Colossians says, put your affection on things above heaven. See, a key characteristic of the world, John is saying, is that everything of the world will, will, will pass away. That's how you can spot the world. It's, 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 it's temporal. It's going to pass away. Uh, John is telling us and warning us, don't give your attention to the temporal. Passing away fleeting things that are going to decay. Don't build your life on sinking sand, people. He says to build your life on the rock. On doing the will of God. For this will never pass away. Ah, it's never going to fade away. It's going to endure forever. Put your marbles on those things that are eternal. Well, this morning, let me ask you the question, myself included. What are we giving our life for? What are we giving our life to? What will you take a bullet for, Bill Hybel says? To the pleasures of this present world like Demas? Or are we laying up treasures in heaven? What is... Pastor Macklin said before, and I agree with him. I quote him quite often, especially in sermons like this. 20 minutes of bliss is not worth an eternity of suffering. Uh, it's not. Did you hear what I said? Uh, and I'm not just talking to singles. Uh, married couples. Temptation is how long? Till death do you part. I will be doing a wedding. And what are we talking about? Till death do you part. But, but it, you know, sometimes I say, I got to get married because, you know, I, you know, I got to turn or burn, you know. The Bible says if I either got to get married or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to burn. That's no guarantee. Uh, and the enemy will still hit you. Big time. Uh, see, do we have forever eyes or do we have lustful eyes? Forever mentalities, that's what we're supposed to have. And a forever mentality stays within God's boundaries. Lust takes us beyond the boundaries. Did you hear what I said as I close? A forever mentality keeps you in the boundaries. Jude 20 says one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. The Living Bible says, stay always in the boundaries where God's love can richly bless you and keep you. I read that verse when I was in the men's home. I had the Living Bible. And when I, when I, some guy that used to belong to a neighborhood, I remember there in Pico Rivera, he was in the home, and he left. He had a pass with his wife, and he came back loaded to the gills. And the director said, sorry, brother, you got to go. And he was like crying. He said, sorry, you can come back in 30 days. He left. That night, he OD'd, and he died. That night, when we heard about it, is when I was sitting there on the table drinking a lot of coffee, fellowshipping with the guys. Uh, I even hadn't told me about the false anointing yet. Uh, I hadn't been warned. And I read that scripture. And I showed the guys, I said, hey, fellas, look, at, look what God's showing me. Look what happened to so-and-so. Stay always within the boundaries. God-ordained boundaries. Where God's love can richly bless you and keep you. But when you get out of those boundaries, lust, go beyond. You're on your own. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to end with this quote by Jim Elliott. He was a missionary to the Auca Indians in Peru. Great man. He's got a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, biography that he wrote. Actually, they wrote it on him. Okay. But he wrote part of it, and he wrote these words just before he died. 
He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I want to quote it again. Very powerful. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.